Welcome to another strange tale from thin places. I'm Thomas McCalman Morton. And this month, it's sea monsters for lunch. One of my lunchtime pleasures early in my sojourn in the Shetland Isles was to partake of deep-fried monkfish tails in the old Viking cafe, perched atop the Lerwick bus station with views of the fishing fleet and the island of Bressa. There was sufficient sustenance in one of these platefuls, with chips, of course, to last even a young and hungry journalist two or more days without additional food. What it did for the state of my arteries, I shudder to think. I recently stumbled across the website A Book of Creatures, which is at abookofcreatures.com, and was disconcerted to find the monkfish making it into the official category of monsters, with its own Shetlandic name. Not Mareel, as in the local arts centre, I hear you say, but... There is a connection. As a book of creatures states, the Marul of Shetland is a malevolent marine devil appearing in the form of a fish. It has eyes all over its head and a crest of flame. It can be seen in Marul or phosphorescent sea foam. During storms, the Marul can be heard singing wildly with joy when a ship capsizes. The monkfish's strange appearance with its massive head would scare anyone not used to seeing it appear in a net. Most non-fishery folk used to its delicious tail would perhaps be disconcerted enough not to order if they knew what one looks like in the wild. In the 1980s, when Loch Inver was a thriving fishing port, it was heavily used by French and Spanish bottom trawlers, fishing off the continental shelf for orange ruffy and black scabbard, two even uglier and extremely long-lived fish considered delicacies in that Europe. But monsters... They're certainly not in the same class as the Bregdi or Brigdi. It represents the terror felt by the half-fisherman of being overwhelmed while at sea, as this beast was in the habit, it seems, of chasing boats, wrapping its fins around them, or using a fin to slice a boat in half, and then dragging the remains of the vessel and its crew down with it into the depths. The half, or far-half, fishing involved open boats with a crew of six, rowed or sailed up to 40 miles out to sea in often very dangerous conditions. The Bregdi, or Brigdi, was, recent sightings are scanned, terrified of cold steel and amber beads. A handy knife slashed at its fins was enough to get rid of the thing, apparently. Sober viewings by upstanding local worthies, however, reported in the newspapers, catch and hold the attention more than highly coloured tales told around the peat fire. 
I'm grateful to Shetland archivist Brian Smith for sending me a transcript of a cutting he has, so worn it is impossible to reproduce or decipher where it's from. The Shetland News, or perhaps the Shetland Times, but it is from the comparatively recent date of 1937 and is headlined Monster Scene from Steamer. It reads as follows. Officers, crew and passengers on the inter-island steamer Earl of Zetland, returning from the North Isles yesterday, saw three large pointed fins about six feet in height. They thought they were the dorsal of three big basking sharks swimming behind each other. It was soon realised, however, that the fins belonged to one fish as it disappeared several times and came to the surface again. Mr Magnus Shearer, ex-county convener who was on board, estimated the length of the monster at 30 feet at least, although its head and tail were always below. The fins were dark in colour, and the monster moved at a fast speed southwards, passing the steamer easily, and then it turned and went north. It was visible when the steamer was two or three miles away. When it came to the surface, it emitted a loud puff or blow, but it was definitely not a whale. Puzzling, but perhaps not so downright terrifying as it, as Jesse M. Saxby, eminent Shetland author, calls it. This is the truly awful, amorphous blob of vicious seaborne horror which occurs in various terrifying Shetland contexts, notably in one of the hauntings of the legendary Windhus in Yale, allegedly the most haunted house in Scotland. It, this nightmarish thing straight out of the worst kind of horror film, appears in various forms and has been described as a slub or jellyfish, a legless animal, a headless human and a bag of white wool. It moves quickly, flies, communicates without speech to humans and, in the Windhouse story, appeared once a year at Christmas, its arrival sounding like a mass of dead flesh hitting the floor. That manifestation was dealt with using a sword and a Bible, although the story has the creature, having been buried, disappearing in a miasma of mist. I can only say that I have been in the Windhouse in winter after dark and have never been so frightened in all my life by the sound of a cow. On this subject, I have just discovered a wonderful article by J.A. Tate in a 1918 edition of the Journal of American Folklore called Water Beings in Shetlandic Folklore, as remembered by Shetlanders in British Columbia. It covers a great deal of mysterious ground, including Nuggles, or Nuggles, Shetlandic water horses, seals and the so-called finfolk. But I was 
particularly interested in some of the sea monsters described in reference to the sighting from the Earl of Zetland of something truly vast in scale. I wonder if the word kraken came to anyone's lips back in the 1930s. Tate writes, The sea serpent or kraken, according to tradition, the sea serpent was occasionally seen, especially off the coast of Norway. It had its home at the bottom of the sea and it rarely came to the surface. An old man once told me that it was not seen once in a lifetime and when seen usually portended bad luck or some calamity. There was just one sea serpent, according to some, while others believed that there were several that bred under the ocean. Thus, large or small ones were seen. Large ones were from one to two hundred feet long. When travelling on the surface of the sea, the sea serpent's body stuck out of the water here and there, and its head reared thirty or forty feet above the surface. It had a serpent-like head, large eyes, and a long mane similar to masses of seaweed. Smaller sea serpents, of from 80 to 100 feet long, are said to have been seen. Their bodies looked like a line of skin bows, buoys for floating nets or lines, set a little distant apart, and their heads were low in the water. Sea serpents, it seems, never attacked any boats, but they were fearful to behold, and people dreaded to see them. When travelling on the surface of the water, they could go at high speed, and they would soon disappear from view. They were seen only in fine or calm weather. Some people believe that large trees drifting in the sea from the Norwegian coast have sometimes been mistaken for sea serpents. Once, a large sea serpent was cast ashore dead somewhere in North Shetland, and its body for months blocked the mouth of a geo, a short, narrow inlet of the sea, surrounded by steep banks or cliffs. Some of its bones could be seen in the water there for many years. So writes Mr. Tate, who also refers to floating monsters, and here he quotes members of his own family. Several kinds of shapeless monster have at various times been seen in the sea. One of these was occasionally seen in fine weather. Something like a small floating islet, partly covered with barnacles and seaweed, was supposed to be the back of a huge sea monster that appeared above water. It was usually very flat, but sometimes humped or higher in the middle. An uncle of mine, told me of once having seen something of this kind when becalmed in a fishing smack somewhere in the northeast waters of Shetland. He and his companions observed a very large and flat object in the water some distance off. It was apparently floating and resembled a flat islet or rock of perhaps an acre in extent, almost covered with water. Not being able to make out clearly through the glasses the shape and nature of the object, they lowered their small boat and, taking a gun, three of them rowed up fairly close to it. They did not dare to go too close, but they could ascertain that the monster or object was of great bulk and mostly submerged. 
The names of two of the men in the boat, if I remember well, were Magnus Hewson and Magnus Robertson. And before they returned, one of them shot a bullet into the object, which shortly afterwards sank quietly out of sight. None of the men ever knew exactly what they had seen. As nothing untoward happened to any of the crew, it was judged that the sight of this creature did not portend evil in any way. Some people argue that these things may be partly submerged wrecks or derelicts grown over with barnacles and seaweed. Tate's recorded reminiscences are a very long way from those massive monkfish feasts in the Viking Cafe so many years ago. But then again, perhaps not so very far at all. This has been another strange tale from thin places. I'm Thomas McCalman Morton. Take care. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.